We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. We are almost to the start of the NBA Finals. going to be an exciting one. We've got the Warriors taking on the Celtics, and we're already starting to hear some news around the league about offseason moves because, let's face it, 28 teams are not playing over the next week and a half or so, two weeks, just about depending on how long the series goes. So there's a lot of kind of movements and things taking place as well for us to get into for teams that are not in the playoffs. So a lot to dive into today. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA, joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, before we get into all the latest news and notes and stuff, you guys had media day for the NBA finals today. How, how did that go? I saw a lot of chatter out there about the NBA finals logo and the script that, that was being used and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's really cool that they brought the cursive mm-hmm. back. It's just so much better. It just looks better. It feels cool. I, I think the best way to sum it up. And I think the guy who put it best was Jason Tatum was asked what it feels like to be in the finals. And he's like, you know, it, it, it's great. It, it kind of gave the, it's a culmination of all hard work, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but then I walk up here on the podium, I see the logo and I'm like, damn, I'm in the finals. Yeah. And I thought that was like pretty cool to to get that kind of raw um answer out of him. So yeah, I mean, it's not a lot of takeaways, right? Everybody, you know, both teams are tough, both teams are well coached. Uh, you know, nobody's giving any bulletin board material. I was gonna or say, like yeah, that. everybody careful so, with what they say. Yeah, Nobody's exactly. saying anything that can be offensive to the other yeah. side or anything like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. You you know how it goes. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a lot of um you know canned answers, a lot of you know just appreciation for where they've been. The warrior side was a lot of asking them about like you know your back after a couple down years. Um you know did what did you think you know when you saw this uh, some of the Celtics players were asked you know what were you doing when the Warriors kind of started this run mm-hmm. and a couple of them were like well I was in high school so that's mm-hmm. kind of funny now and and there were some some uh, conversation of the Warrior side of like Steph Draymond and Clay or are you guys the old heads now in the room and stuff and uh, okay Steph is uh, Draymond said yeah basically mm-hmm. uh, Steph said uh, I try not to think about that. And then Clay Thompson's like, nah, man, I'm 32. And any, anywhere <laughs> else in life, that's not old. Um, so kind of different perspectives from all three of them. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And my my other favorite answer was Steve Kerr was asked about how uh, teams, uh, they hunt mismatches so much now mm-hmm. and how that's been a part of the game that's really changed over the last probably six, seven, eight years. And he gave a really funny answer. And at the end, he, he said, um, you know, I'm glad they didn't do that when 
I played or I might not have played very long. So I, th I thought that was pretty good too. I mean, he's right. Like, if you think about it, because we, we talk about this fairly often, just how much the NBA has changed over the last, I mean, decade, but over the last two decades, big time. Mm -hmm. A guy like Steve Kerr, who is, you know, I don't want to try to limit him too much here, but he's really just a shooter, right? That, that's what yeah. he was as a basketball player. He was, he was primarily sure. just out there to provide shooting. Those guys don't really exist in the NBA anymore. I mean, there's some, but you have to be able to defend at a high level. You have to be able to to do other things too because of the way the league has, has become it and the switching that you're talking about. So he's right as funny as it is, but for a guy who played as long as he did in the NBA, what does he have 14, 15 year career? He's also not wrong. Like, and that's, I think that's a good thing for the NBA that you've got to be able to do a lot of things in order to make it in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the one skill players, unless that one skill is elite defense, mm -hmm. I think are starting to find it harder to, to stick. Uh, look at Duncan Robinson. This was a guy who the minute his shot fell off just enough that it didn't offset his ability or inability to really defend anybody. He, he didn't play anymore. They, 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 he took him out of the rotation and it was, uh, you know, it, it, people noticed it more in the playoffs but he was out of the rotation for a considerable amount of the regular season too. He lost his starting role, and then he was really kind of, kind of out. Um, you know, even before we got to the postseason, he wasn't playing as much and those kind of things. Now, you can get there, right? If if he gets back to being a guy who's a fifty percent three point shooter, sure, then he'll he'll play. You know, and and you'll find a room for him. But I think in the playoffs, it's really hard because when you see the same team, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or not eight, but four four to seven times over a two week period. There's kind of no secrets by the time you get to game four or five. It's you, you basically kind of know you know what it is, and teams know. All right, hey, we run this action, we'll be able to get this look, and then it becomes: all right, are we going to double? How are we going to help this guy? And and it, it is a very different game in that way than than it used to be. Yeah, yeah, and Steve Kerr is going to have to be prepared because I think the Celtics are going to switch on Jordan Poole quite a bit. Yeah, they're they're probably going to after Steph Curry as well to try to make mm -hmm. him defend in the starting group for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, by the way, just a little fun tidbit here. Steve Kerr, for his career, not for his season. Now, defenses are different then. But for his career, 45% from three. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that, that's and, unreal. And it was probably on fairly low attempts, right? Because the three ball wasn't necessarily emphasized for most yeah, of his Yeah, his career. highest number of attempts per – he did two seasons where he averaged 2.9 attempts per game. That's crazy. Which is – I mean, that's nothing. It's <laughs> now, amazing, now he'd right? average that a quarter. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's so oh, crazy. The times they are a changing. Oh, yeah. The times they are changing. All right. Should we get into our first uh, news topic of yeah, the day? Let's here? Do it. Actually, you know what? Before we do, real quick, um, injury updates. Anything coming out of uh, Media Day that was noteworthy? Yeah, not too much. Um, uh, Gary Payton, Otto Porter Jr., oh, Andre Godala all practiced in full today. They did some scrimmaging. Uh, there was their first full contact uh, work. They'll all be questionable for the Warriors, uh, as they have been. Marcus Smart and Robert Williams will be questionable for the Celtics. Uh, Marcus Smart said, you know, hey, the ankle thing is what it is. He basically uh, said, you know, his mom told him when he was a kid, if, if you're going to be out there, no excuses, just play. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, I, I think for the most part, he's good to go. 
go. Um, probably no real issues. But then Robert Williams, it's just going to be day-to-day. The Celtics are very hopeful that with the additional days off in this series in between games, that that'll be really good for him because uh, that'll give him an extra day of rest um, to, to, to get himself uh, you know, ready to go again uh, versus the kind of every other day with travel nature of the uh, prior rounds. So that was just – it was getting to be really tough for him. So hopefully, you know, ho- hopefully we'll get to a point where all these guys are going and it, it just won't really be a storyline. My guess is they're all going to play. Game oh, yeah. Game. I mean, yeah. That, that would be my assumption. All yeah, right. That's what I think too. Let's get into the news. Uh, let's stop, start with this. The Nets have decided to defer the 76 and draft pick. Said, no, thank you. We do not want your pick this year. I believe it's 23rd. 23, um, yep. We will take next year's pick instead. So this is sort of a, a gamble by the Nets that the 76ers will offer a worse pick or perhaps just a vote of confidence in the depth of, a, of the future draft. But what are your thoughts on, on this decision? Does this make sense if, if you're the Nets to go ahead and say, no, nah, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take another one? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that probably went into this. My guess is uh, for the Nets side, they're looking at it basically saying, yeah, we, we don't love what could be there at 23 this year they draft they have two two guys that they added in the first round last year in daron sharp sharp and uh man the boston accent is just pouring out <laughs> of it. it's gonna be they're in the finals and i'm 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 uh you know getting fired up like i'm back home uh daron sharp and cam thomas uh last year's first rounders kessler edwards who was a second rounder on a two-way played into a standard contract so that's three rookies last year i don't know that they're jumping at the idea Hey, let's add another one. They'd probably rather use that roster spot mm-hmm. on. Let's bring in, you know, a veteran who can help uh next year. So that that would be my guess. They're probably looking at it and saying, uh, Philly 23rd pick, uh, you could be worse next year. You you could be, you know, a team that's you know picking, you know. Maybe 15 to 20, maybe, you know, if, if things don't go right or you have injuries, injuries. you know, why not? Right. It's the pick can't get much worse than 23. You know, there's only, you know, what, seven more picks after that. So, so, you know, and, and I think if you're the Nets, you're probably looking at it and really saying, Hey, if it ends up 28 next year, it ends up 28. So be it. We'll figure that out uh, with that. The other thing that maybe factors in just a little is, this does hamper Philly on their ability to trade picks moving forward because because they they still have other obligations to the Nets that they have to pay off uh, from the James Harden trade too. So that that's an, just another kind of wrinkle in this as well. Philly can trade this pick, but this would be one where they would have to do it after they make it, correct? Because now they owe a pick. Um, uh, just for a quick refresher for everybody on the Stepien rules, it's always looking forward. You can't be without any pick. Uh, in back-to-back years. Now they don't have a pick in 2024 because it goes to the Nets. So they can't trade this pick today, but what they could do is do one of those pre-range deals where they're picking for another team at 23, and then they trade the pick as soon as they made it. Because once it's made, it's now in the past. The looking forward no longer applies. Correct. Yep, exactly. Uh, All right, let's jump to Utah. Quinn Snyder, his future with the Jazz once again Looking a bit murky. Uh, reports are that Quinn Snyder and the Jazz have been meeting. They've been meeting for a while. The Jazz, it sounds this sounds like the Jazz are doing everything they can to convince Quinn Snyder to stay. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if we're at this point right now, and the Jazz have spent weeks saying, "Play out your your contract, or we'll give you another contract, or or what do you want, Quinn?" and there, you're still getting uncertainty here. 
that's that's not a great sign that Quinn Snyder really wants to be with the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there is a um, you know a whole thought process around this of all right, what is it you do want and where do we want to go? And I'm sure from Quinn Snyder's side, there's probably some question of what are we doing with the roster? You know, we keep a Mitchell, we keep in Gobert, we keep them both. We keep it neither. You know, where are we going with this? And, and I think that starts to become uh, a little bit of a question mark mark there as well. So um, yeah, it's, I just did a radio hit today in Salt Lake City, and you know we talked the finals heavily, but then we talked the Jazz, and I said for a team that has very little flexibility, they're way over the tax. Um, they're only gonna have the taxpayer mid level. They might have one of the more interesting off seasons because yep. I really don't know what to expect, especially with Danny Ainge, you know, running things. I could very easily see him saying, "Yeah, we're tearing it down and we're gonna start it all over again." Mm-hmm. I I really don't know what to to expect out of this group. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your gut, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, are they on the same team next season? Uh, Yeah, to start the year, yeah. I think all three of the core guys, the two players and Snyder, will both be back in Utah to start the year, and then we'll see where it goes from there. I th- think it's going to be uh, changes around them, um, and then it'll be let, let's give this one more run. Uh, all right, let's jump to the Pistons, the Pacers, and the Spurs. They want Colin Sexton, potentially, with the Pistons and Pacers listed as the teams most likely to steal him away from the Cavs. You know, Keith, you and I are both fans of Colin Sexton, probably bigger fans of Colin Sexton than most around the NBA uh, because of the shooting percentage that he brings, which mm-hmm. isn't always a sticky stat. I would guess that if he played, if he were to duplicate the season before this this previous season, I, I keep calling this season last season. I don't know what to call <laughs> yeah. it anymore. I'm I'm all a jumble, but it's funny. Ago. <laughs> Let me just, if I'm talking about the Celtics, yeah. Or the Warriors now, I'm thinking this season still. Right. Everybody else, that's last season. Last season. Because it's yeah. over, right? So right. I'm already into to this season is, is this upcoming year. But yeah, it's tricky. We're living in two worlds right now. But in any event, Colin Sexton, if he just duplicated what he did, I guess, last season, this season, and didn't suffer an injury, then I think he would be, it would be pretty clear he'd be getting paid by the Cavs. The word is out there that the Cavs don't think anybody's going to offer him more than $20 million. They're looking to give him somewhere south of $18 million on a deal. His group is looking for more than that. I, I still think they're going to find a middle ground there. 
but it's important for Colin Sexton and his leverage that you've got these other teams that are out there kind of waiting in the wings like, hey, if the Cavs drop the ball, we're, we're right here. Let's go. Yeah, it's, we always talk about who benefits, who benefits from yep. this. It, oh, three of the teams that look like they'll have cap space this summer. Shocking. Are interested in Colin Sexton. And, and it's important to remember, too, the, the Cavs, he's restricted, so they'll control the process to yep. some extent um, here. So it's uh, my guess is they're leaking their figures. So it's going to be, hey, you want them, you better pay more than this to get them. Um, and then my guess is his side is kind of saying, hey, these cap space teams really want him. So it's not a whole we got to really work out a sign and trade and all this other stuff mm -hmm. uh, to make that happen. So it's it's a little bit of posturing right now. But, yeah, I think he'd be a really good I, I don't Spurs and Pacers. Eh, I'm, I'm a little less enthused about his fit there. I think Pistons, he'd be a great fit. Yeah. Uh, with um, Cade Cunningham, because what you'd have is he could play the off-ball role he plays in Cleveland next to Cunningham on offense, and then he can be the primary on-ball defender. He's not a great defender, but he's competitive. He's sure. tough enough that he can hang in there. So so I do kind of like that fit in Detroit. Um, hopefully, my ideal is he just stays in Cleveland. I think that would be you know, what's best, and they continue to build you know, around that young group that they're putting together. Um, but yeah, well, we'll see. My guess is Something gets done and he sticks in Cleveland. That that's what I think. And then if they need to handle it with a trade later, they'll handle it with a trade down the line. Well, what I think is interesting is the reporting on this, and this is from Chris Fedora of, of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, is that the Cavs want to be somewhere between fifteen to eighteen million, and Colin Sexton wants to be somewhere between eighteen to twenty-two million. Yeah. Well, that Venn diagram overlaps, <laughs> yeah. right? It is, so what, eighteen million, it, it is. Just call <laughs> it eighteen million, and, and yeah. off we go, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, is that, it's, yeah this is not that's a, where it, when, it comes, when it breaks <laughs> that he gets an 18 million dollar per year right? salary starting we're gonna laugh yeah it's not that uh this is um he wants the team wants 15 million and he wants 30 yeah well that's a chasm of difference there and you know yeah oh, oh okay 18 what 18 5 that, that work all right yeah right. let's go right there i mean it sounds like they're pretty much there all right let's jump over to the miami heat the hero we deserve, Tyler Hero, uh, <laughs> made some comments about wanting to be a starter uh, with the Miami Heat. He's a really good sixth man. I mean, sixth man of the year. And now he's talking about wanting to be a bit more than that. How should Miami feel about that? Like, do you do you commit to Tyler Hero? And if you're Tyler Hero, of course, you want that because in general, starters make more than guys coming off the bench. Even if you're the sixth man of the year. That's just the way it goes. There's some exceptions. You look at, you know, Manu Ginobili with the Spurs and, and things like that. But for the most part, if you are a really high-level bench player, you don't make as much as a starter does or a really high-level starter. So it makes sense for Tyler Hero to want this. Should Miami want this, though? Should they want to put Tyler Hero into their starting lineup? Or are they better, better suited just keeping him coming off the bench? Yeah, I like what you said about the whole, like, you make more money as a starter. I forget who it was on Twitter. I wish I could remember now, but it was one of the people who's kind of in tune to things and just on a general NBA uh, sphere. And they said, you know, the reality is teams put a cap on guys who are six men. And that is true. I mean, yep. and in one of the probably there are two big examples uh, in recent history, Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams. Those guys were huge, huge parts of their team uh, and parts of their team success. But I don't know that either one made over $20 million um, in, a, in a season. And if they did, it, it wasn't 
very often and it wasn't much over that. So that's the challenge. And, you know, the heat will be coming with a little bit of, oh, you know, you're a six man. So, you know, we're going to do this to keep costs down because we've got Bam on a max and Jimmy on a max and Kyle on a near max. You know, we need, we need to keep, keep the number down a little bit. And then hero side's going to be like, Hey, start me. I scored, you know, I'll score 20 to 25 points per game and you'll see where that goes. So it's, it's one of those things where this is going to be one of those negotiations to watch play out, to be clear, he's under contract for next year. Uh, this is his extension negotiations, but I do wonder too, um, if he's kind of making a little bit of waves about, I'd like to start. There's two ways you could take that. One, you take it as good. He's competitive. He wants to start. Sure. Right? Everybody wants to start. Or you could take it as, ah, he's, dude, you still played 30 plus minutes per game in the regular season. Like, you know, what, what are we complaining about here? The other thing I'll say is you put him in as a starter. It makes it a little bit harder to hide some of those minutes where teams will hunt him. Yep. Um, we started out the show talking about that. Um, you, you, you know, teams look for him when you're playing against backups groups, especially in the regular season, you're generally out there when there's two or three reserves on the floor and that those groups don't, don't do as much of the uh, mismatch hunting uh, as the starting groups do. So yeah, I'm curious. I, you know, hopefully Tyler hero comes back with, rededication of defense trying to be a better defender but you know he he is really really good so i'm very curious to see because this is gonna set the the baseline i think for a lot of six men going forward uh hey tyler hero got 20 million i'm not that far off him you know where where do you want where where do you think i'm worth or what do you think i'm worth in my next contract well and, and plus when you look at just his statistical profile you look at what he brought in i mean tyler hero 21 5 and 7 mm-hmm. coming off the bench in, in 32 minutes, like 33 minutes almost. If he was a starter, you're you're probably and you've got a guy who's 22 who's putting up 21 points, five boards, and four assists, who is also a starter. We're talking we're talking max money, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. like that's so if you're Tyler Hero's camp and you're saying this, look at the numbers he just put up. And the only thing keeping him from getting max money is the fact that he's the sixth man. I think they have every reason why they'd be looking at this saying, uh, yeah, give us a starting opportunity. And if Mm -hmm. he's putting up these stats, we're getting top dollar here. Yeah, I wonder if this one becomes one of those ones where they they just can't find the common ground on the extension talks. Mm -hmm. And then it just goes into restricted free agency in the summer of 2023 um, because it's going to be hard because my guess is his, his group is going to be coming in asking for a max or near max deal. Uh, maybe, maybe it's like the Jalen Brown kind of max where it was just under, but then there's incentive language that could get him up to the max. Maybe that's where this goes, but yeah, this is, this one is one to watch because this is, this is unique in the fact that he's carved out this great six man role but clearly he doesn't really dig it. He doesn't want to be that. And, you know, what, what does a six man get paid? That's, that's a you know, big time question that will get answered here uh, in the next couple of months. By the way, I do just want to highlight this real quick here. Uh, this is <laughs> the Miami Heat's playoff stats. If you are Miami, you're the other side of that negotiation. You're coming in there and you're pointing at this right, right here. Yeah. Tyler Hero with the worst defensive rating on the Miami now, Heat come playoff time. Standard disclaimer, defensive rating is not an individual stat. True. There's, there's team stuff related, but it's at least contextual. Of, you sure. know, when you watch and you see, yeah, it looked like Deadman and Hero sucked on defense when they're on the floor, and then you look, 
yeah, I guess they did. Like that's that that is pre- pretty clear. Duncan Robinson yeah. as well. Um, now on the flip side of that, I mean, it drops off pretty good, right? Caleb Martin, PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. like those guys are you know pre- pretty decent. But yeah, you can see there's a pretty good gap there between those those three guys here, Deadman and Robinson, who were kind of big parts of their rotation for most sure. of the year, and now are you know they they struggled in the postseason. And we should know too that you know Hero part of that was he was playing hurt, and you know so mm-hmm. I don't want to just say this is. Well, he that was, was only at the that. end though. I he mean, was but, fine early in the playoffs. Sure, I know. It's all, yeah. We're only talking about you know a game or whatever, but I'm just saying yeah. in, in the playoffs, it's still a small sample size. Mm-hmm. One game where you're playing with a limp can sure. have an outsized impact compared yeah. to one game during the course of a regular season. So yeah. I think that, you know, again, I'm just trying to say, you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. He's not a good defender, but maybe not quite as bad as just the playoff numbers make it make sure. it look like. But the bottom line is still, if you're Miami in this negotiation, this is what you're pointing to. But I also think, Keith, you're, you may be correct. We may be in one of those situations where they're just at an impasse and there's no solution that uh, that they come to. And uh, both sides kind of move forward from there. And then we start hearing Tyler Hero trade rumors. Yeah, I mean, if they, I look at it as if they want to go get somebody. Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, whoever it may be. And Levine's not overly realistic because of uh, uh, hard cap reasons with the tax and that. But that's what they want to do. Hero has to almost be involved as basically the um, the the asset is in terms of a player um, that gets traded. And then you, you try to cobble together the salary matching in other ways. Challenge for them is Duncan. It would have to be Duncan Robinson. Hero plus plus because Hero's contract is very low right now, um, still on his rookie scale deal. Or the option is, do you basically say, "Man, eh, we kind of blew with Kyle Lowry," and you flip flip that and say, "All right, we're going to trade trade Lowry as the the salary matching piece in a deal." I that's that I don't think that will happen, and that's why I don't think we're going to see the Heat going to get Bradley Beal or Zach Levine or anybody like that. But I mean, the Heat are kind of like Lakers East. When there's a big name, they're going to be mentioned. Yep. Um, sometimes it's simply to drive their price up and other times it's because I think in general, most guys, if you ask them are to do, where would you like to play? And you could get them to be really honest. A lot of guys are going to say Miami or LA, like it's just the way it works. So, you know, so it is, it is one of those things where it's, you know, if there's a big name involved, the heat are going to be at least semi, you know, and me, even if it's only on the outer edges of it, they'll be involved with that player. The Heat are Lakers Southeast. The Brooklyn Nets are Lakers Northeast. Yeah, I, I don't want to give the Nets that much credit. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, 
they got two guys for different <laughs> reasons. Yeah, you know, for yeah. different reasons. Yeah, for yeah, that's that's fair, I guess. Yeah, for for the, I mean, in terms of their approach to roster building, the Nets were, took a similar approach to the Lakers, or you could say the Lakers took a similar approach to the Nets since they were the first one to put three together. But still, anyway, that's a whole other aside. Yeah. All right, let's let's finish things up with this today. It's a deadline for college players to withdraw. From the NBA draft, I'll admit I've been been occupied with other stuff. I, I haven't seen any major noteworthy decisions being made made here. Most college players by now they've got a pretty good sense of about where they're going to fall. They've gone through some team workouts and things like that. They've gotten some feedback. Um, for some, it makes more sense to go back and, and spend another year and then and then come back out and, and test the water again. But um, but by this point in the process, you've got a handful of team workouts done, maybe maybe more. And uh, guys have a better idea of where they're at. And so they've got the ability to make that decision in terms of whether or not they actually want to stay in the draft. Yeah, probably the biggest name that is going back to school is Turquavian Smith out of NC State. Um, he is was projected to be a mid-first-round pick. He was one of the real risers in the process. And he's going to go back to school. Um, there's still a couple guys we're waiting on, Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. Um, and made, some of these guys may have made decisions uh, over the last hour or so. Um, I was on media day stuff and then jumped right into recording here. Um, but the, we're, we're down to it now. Um, the end. The NBA's withdrawal deadline is not until June 13th. Um, why are they different? Because it's at the NCAA and they do things weirdly. Who like it's because their coaches are ready. The yeah, they they're the not the same. Difficult. Yeah, exactly. And they're not the same organization. They don't have yeah. to do do they can do things the way they want to do them, however they want to do them. And and it's also important to note too uh, with the NCAA that. Their responsibilities to their schools, teams, and coaches who are trying to know, you know, what do I have going into next year? Sure. A lot of these schools will be headed off in the next few weeks uh, off to a, um, you know, a summer trip. Sometimes they go abroad and those kind of things. Those are coming back now that we're getting you know further into the post-COVID world or uh, new post-COVID world, whatever we're going to call it, because COVID's obviously still hanging around. Sure. But but it'll be, um, you know, really, I think. Uh, um, you know, something we're going to see, but yeah, so it's college players today, uh, by 11 59 PM Eastern have to withdraw, uh, from the draft. And then June 13th at 5 PM is the NCAA or the NBA's rather, um, the withdrawal deadline. And then the draft on the 23rd of uh, June. So it's always 10 days out for the NBA. So, um, that'll be international players. Occasionally we'll get like a G league guy. Um, we'll, we'll opt out and say, you know, I'm not, I'm going to wait. No, go in next year or those kind of things. Um, every once in a while too, you'll get a college player um, who stayed in, then they'll opt out. And then what they'll do is they'll go play in the G league or play overseas. And then they'll re-enter as a, um, as a different kind of early entry candidate uh, in the next year. Huh. Yeah. That, that's another way to go, but we're getting more and more ways to get into the NBA yeah. than the, which is a good thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, even from the the background of an educator, how you know, the college experience, the college route, and obviously, you know, we're not just talking about education, but um, that isn't for everybody. It's yeah. not the the right approach. Even if if your goal is to do other things in life and not just professional basketball, the experience that you get playing overseas may ultimately serve you better than than the college route. I think having these multiple paths, it's a positive thing for the NBA. It's a positive thing for players who want to become professionals and um, 
yeah, it's just it's cool to see the diversification of the the entry path into the NBA over the last. I mean, it's really starting to started to shift over the last five, six years or so. Yeah, we've seen these other paths become more accepted. And I think it's great too with the new uh, NIL stuff. As long mm-hmm. as the NCAA doesn't butcher that too badly, yes. I think it's good that you can have um, kids making money in college too. You know, off off their name. I mean, Lord knows these schools make enough money. Like it's yeah. you know, I have no problem with the kids making a little bit of money too. If if that's you know where this should go, and I, I know there's all sorts of stuff that gets into that that could cause problems, but I, that's you know that that's that's for a whole other time. Right. Well, let's wrap things up there. Yeah. Appreciate everybody for, for joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on. Hey, let us know what you think of the new format here too, where we're doing something a little bit different. So you know, give, give us some feedback. I saw on, on yesterday's shows, there's a guy who's been going in and has been doing timestamps yeah. for all of our videos. Yep. And yesterday he said he gets to, he kind of celebrated, said he gets to retire because now people can just look and see our topics on the bottom of the screen. Um, that's funny i would i would highly encourage everybody just just watch the whole show yeah just watch the um, whole show just just watch the whole it's show just, cool. just for us yeah just, just it's all be nice stuff yeah yeah right but um but still i guess he is he's correct there that um that now our topics are on the bottom of the screen as we go through everything which i think is nice but yeah let, let us know your thoughts uh you saw today with the tyler hero thing i got to kind of cut over to um to some <laughs> yep. stats and some things it's like that cool. that we can get into um, some different things that we can use to kind of underscore our points. And, and you know, there's other stuff that we're going to be, be able to implement, particularly when we get into the draft and we, and we get into all that kind of stuff. We'll be able to, uh, to use a lot of the tools here. So let us know your thoughts on the, the new format. Fire those off in the comments section. Don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you do leave us that five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. And a review, great way to help out the show. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.